Humane Nature is an animal tourism podcast with discussions of animal abuse, injury, and medicine. Listener discretion is advised. The world is not composed only of human beings. There are also other animal beings. And I propose to bring into this TED conference, as I always do around the world, the voice of the animal kingdom. Too often we just see a few slides or a bit of film. But these beings have voices that mean something. And so I want to give you a greeting as from a chimpanzee in the forests of Tanzania. Travelers, welcome back. Uh, I apologize in advance if my voice is a little funky this week or if I get some weird pauses. Um, I am still coughing, but I am feeling much better. Thank you so much for everyone who reached out. Uh, and uh, let's get into it. So, you heard from the absolutely incredible Dame Jane Goodall at the beginning of this, giving us. Um, A great example of a chimpanzee greeting, and she is who we are going to be talking about today. Uh, She is one of my wildlife warrior idols of all time, um, Dame Jane Goodall. She is considered the world's leading expert in chimpanzee behavior and has nearly single-handedly changed behavioral research practices and paved the way for female scientists worldwide. Uh, But before we get into her life and her legacy, uh, let us uh, talk about some news. So, if you are part of my newsletter, you know, you knew well in advance that I have now launched a Patreon. Uh, Yay! Congrats to me! (laughs) Just in time for uh, today's 20th episode, which I can't believe we're on episode 20. So, I will no longer be doing news segments at the beginning of these episodes instead monthly like full news episodes will be available on um as one of my perks on my patreon so i will be able to go more in depth on like all the really major things that happen at the end of every month rather than picking a few at the start of each episode so I can really focus on some like wildlife and travel news around the world. Uh, I also wanted to add a little update. So Dr. John Palis contacted me after listening to my Snake Road episode and I didn't write down which episode number that was, but um, it is an episode where I talk about Snake Road in Illinois. Uh, it is a destination highlight, uh, and it has one of the, I think, the largest snake migrations in the country. And it was absolutely wonderful to visit. And I included a lot of Dr. Payless's research. Uh, he's done a lot of research over at Snake Road and he very kindly let me know that I did make one error in that episode. There are actually 22 species of snakes documented on the road instead of the 35 that I mentioned in the episode. So they used to think that it was 35. Now um, the more updated accurate number is 22. He also suggested a book on the topic titled Snake Road, A Field Guide 
to Snakes of LaRue Pine Hills by Joshua Vossler, which I will link below. And I'm going to check out that book. Thank you so much, Dr. Payless. All right. And once again, thank you everyone so much who shared kind words to me um, in person or in a DM or, you know, through social media. Um, I tried to let everyone know when I was really sick. Um, that's why we did not get an episode two weeks ago. Uh, I had pretty severe bronchitis and uh, the doctors think I had also the beginning stages of pneumonia. So I was pretty pretty sick and uh i am still coughing pretty hard but overall i'm feeling much much better my voice is still kind of funky so i apologize for that but let's get into dame jane goodall so Dame Jane Morris Goodall was born April 3rd, 1934 in London, England. She is still alive. She's currently 88 years old and going strong. And I am using her title as Dame um, as she did marry a, I think it was a Duke, which is really cool because I do believe that Dame comes above the title of doctor, but she is a PhD doctor as well. So, Dr. Dame (laughs) Jane Morris Goodall. As a child, uh, she was gifted a stuffed chimpanzee named Jubilee instead of the typical teddy bear by her father on her very first birthday. And this is very famously her favorite toy as a child. She carried around everywhere and she still has it. Um, It is now on her dresser in her home in London and well while she's home but she often carries it with her when she travels and if you watch any of her like interviews um, she does a great TED talk which is actually where our intro soundbite came from um, that was from a TED talk that she did Jubilee is sitting on the podium right next to her while she's she's giving that talk. So I will post a picture of Jubilee in on my Instagram whenever this episode comes out. Uh, she was completely fascinated by animals as a young child. A, a book I read about her life detailed a story about one, how when she was 18 months old, she was fascinated by a bunch of worms that she found in the garden. And she completely disgusted her nanny because her nanny caught her playing with a bunch of earthworms in her bed and she was trying to hide them under her pillow so that she could keep her little worm friends. And her parents sat her down and, you know, didn't tell her that it was gross or like she shouldn't be doing these things. They simply told her that earthworms needed to live in the soil. They needed to be outside in order to be happy. So she was heartbroken to part with her new pets, but she did ultimately take them back outside into her garden where they could live, you know, a longer, happier life. (laughs) She also, very famously, when she was a child, went missing for a day, long enough to the point where her parents were very, very worried and they, you know, started searching for her with the neighbors. And she returned covered in mud and feathers at the end of the day. And when they asked her where she had been, she told her family that she was hiding in their chicken coop. And um, she did this because she really wanted to know how hens lay eggs. She wanted to see it happen. She wanted to observe it 
happening. And so she tried to crawl into the coop. Um, and then when she did that, all the heads got scared and flew away. So she decided she was going to curl up and hide in the corner of the chicken coop long enough for the chickens to become accustomed to her being there to for them to get used to her which took hours this little girl was curled up basically in the fetal position in a tiny chicken coop for hours until a hen was comfortable enough with her being there that they she came back inside and laid her egg and jane was able to finally observe a hen actually laying the egg and Later on in her life, she did use the same patient tactic to gain chimpanzees' trust in order to make her really incredible discoveries. Jane also dreamed of visiting Africa after hearing stories like Tarzan and Dr. Doolittle growing up. Her mother nurtured this dream, despite many other mothers in the neighborhood telling her that it was unrealistic and telling her mother that she shouldn't be encouraging such dreams because it would never happen for her, for you know a, a, a young woman <laughs> Goodall first visited Africa so she did make it to Africa shockingly <laughs> in 1957 uh, she was visiting a friend's farm in Kenya and she did decide to stay in the area and ultimately got a job as a secretary for a man named Louis Leakey who would be an extremely important person in Goodall's life. Uh, Louis Leakey was an archaeologist and a paleontologist, along with his wife, who is also an archaeologist. And he was studying great apes in hopes to make a connection between them and early hominids. Leakey and his wife sent Goodall to Olduvai College in what is now Tanzania to study primatology in order to assist his studies in the future. So they wanted a primatologist on um, along in, in their studies. They wanted someone who was an expert in primates to go off and, and study these great apes. And Goodall began her studies in uh, studies of the chimpanzees in 1960, although she did not have any college education at the time because she was unable to afford it on her own. Goodall was sent back to London to study primate behavior with primatologist Osmond Hill and John Napier. Leakey then raised money to send Goodall to Gombe Stream National Park in Tanzania in 1960. So, I apologize. This is when she first started her uh, famous chimpanzee research. So, she was learning how to conduct behavioral research by um, these at this other college with these other people and then she finally went to Gombe Stream National Park in 1960. In 1964, Goodall left Tanzania and attended Cambridge to earn her PhD in ethology. She was the eighth person ever admitted to Cambridge doctorate program to a, a Cambridge doctorate program without having a bachelor's degree. So they took her revolutionary chimp behavior research which we will get into in just a minute and we're like oh my gosh you don't need a bachelor's degree that's good enough come get your phd which is amazing she wrote her thesis on chimp behavior detailing her first five years of study at the gombe reserve uh, reserve 
While she was away at school, she set up a program for research assistants to continue her work at Gombe, which laid the foundation for the Gombe Stream Research Center that is still going today. So although Jane was not there uh, because she was getting her PhD, she was continuing her research by uh, teaching others her methods and having research assistants continue her work while she was away. So let's talk about her chimp research. Just like all of you lovely listeners, I love listening to podcasts, but it's the absolute worst feeling in the world when you run out of new episodes. When I run out of episodes of my favorite podcasts, I love listening to audiobooks. Audible is the best app for finding audiobooks. They have over 200,000 listings, including classics and new releases. I especially love Audible when I'm traveling and need something lengthy to listen to while disconnected from Wi-Fi. Try Audible for free today and claim a free audiobook at audibletrial.com slash humane. That's audibletrial.com slash humane or using the link in the description. If you're a frequent traveler, you need a travel credit card that works for you. I love my Chase Sapphire Preferred card because I earn miles by making my everyday purchases in two to five times the miles on travel purchases. I can book flights for a discount directly through the Chase app using the miles I have earned, allowing me to fly for free. Earn 50,000 miles when you sign up through the link in the description and even more bonus miles after spending $4,000 in the first three months of your card. That's over $2,000 worth of travel miles. Where will you fly for free with your miles? Goodall is considered to this day the world's leading expert on chimpanzees. She is best known for her research of social and family interactions of wild chimpanzees. And she began researching chimpanzee behavior in 1960 in Gombe Stream National Park in what is now Tanzania. She very famously gave each chimp, like, names instead of numbers, much to the chagrin of other researchers at the time. So other researchers were like, Jane, it's more scientific to give them numbers. It allows you to kind of distance yourself away from them and you know, not anthropomorphize them as much and, you know, be more studious and scientific about it. But she was like, no, I want to give them names. And she got to know them and their personalities. She had observed them to have individual personalities, which was a very unconventional idea at the time. At the time, it was thought that really only humans had like distinct personalities. And it's, one of the things that set us apart from animals who were very just instinct based rather than having thoughts and feelings and personalities. She found that, quote, it isn't only human beings who have personality, who are capable of rational thought and emotions like joy and sorrow, end quote. Goodall observed behaviors such as hugs, kisses, pats on the back, and even tickling among chimpanzees. Goodall's Gombe Stream research challenged two long-standing beliefs at the time. One, that only humans could construct and use tools. And two, that chimpanzees were vegetarians. So 
at the time it was taught in every school across you know even phd program she learned as part of her phd program that part of being human the the biggest thing that sets us apart from other animals is that humans are the tool makers humans are the tool users and no other animal is capable of creating or using tools and that was kind of held as law like not an actual scientific law but it was it was unchallenged at the time and at the time chimpanzees were also thought to be vegetarians so both of these were completely false. <laughs> Good all observed first a chimpanzee use sticks like twigs and blades of grass as tools to remove termites from a mound to eat, which she called fishing for termites. So they would take a or choose a long stick or a long blade of grass, stick it in a hole in the termite mound and wait a while and then pull it out and termites would be on it and they would eat the termites off of their their little fishing pole. Chimps would remove leaves from twigs, remove debris from the twigs to make the tool more efficient. And this showed very rudimentary tool-making capabilities. So... Chimps were showing the beginning stages of making tools, not just using tools, but making tools. This observation challenged human uniqueness and redefined what it is to be human. So Leakey, her advisor, said that we need to rethink what it means to be human or consider chimpanzees as human because we are obviously not the only beings who can create and use tools. Chimps have also been seen using rocks to break open nuts and using sticks as like scratchers to scratch those hard to reach places on their backs. Just like we do. Uh, we buy those, you know, back scratchers and stuff and chimps are doing the same thing with, with uh, various sticks and things. In, in order to challenge that chimpanzees are vegetarian, Goodall also discovered that chimps although typically very peaceful, would create hunting groups to hunt smaller primates, such as colobus monkeys, and also like piglets and things. When they hunt, which is very rare, but they can hunt, they would work in groups to systematically corner off escapes in order to corner and catch their prey, and then they would share the meat amongst the group. Dominant females would also kill and sometimes even eat smaller females to maintain their dominance. Males would also wage war against neighboring groups where they would gather in very organized groups against like a neighboring family and systematically like pick them off. Um, and, and she compared it to how we actually go to war with other countries and she she compared this to war and other um, parts of the darker side of, you know, human nature. And she found it to be extremely similar. Goodall remains to this day the only human being who has ever been accepted into a chimpanzee society. She created very close bonds with the chimps that she studied. And she was the lowest ranked member of a troop for 22 months while she was studying at Gombe. So... This isn't everyone, but I have 15 of the troop that she studied. This family is still going strong, and 
Goodall continues to visit them twice a year in Tanzania. So there's David Greybeard, who is a gray-chinned male who first warmed up to Goodall. And we will talk about Mr. Greybeard a little bit later. He was also the one who offered Goodall the first glimpses into her two major discoveries. So Greybeard was the one that Goodall observed using the tools on the termite mounds as well as hunting. Next, there was Goliath, who was a friend of David Greybeard's and who was originally the alpha of the group when, when Jane discovered them. Mike, who displaced Goliath as the alpha through his own cunning and improvisation. There was Humphrey, a large bullysome male who would bully Jane and also some of the lower members of the group. Gigi, who was a very large, sterile female, so she did not have children of her own, but she did act as an aunt to young chimps and to Goodall, so she would kind of take care of all of the younger chimps and the lower members of the group. Mr. McGregor was a belligerent older male in the group. Flo was a motherly, very high-ranking female, and she was considered very ugly by many of the other researchers because she had a very bulbous nose. She was much older, so her teeth were worn down nearly to the gums. But Flo had a lot of offspring. She, uh, she was an extremely high-ranking. She was very, very much wanted amongst the males. So all the males wanted to be with Flo. All of Flo's sons and grandsons achieved alpha status, and all of her family members are um, have names that start with F, so she is considered the matriarch of the F family. Figgin, it was Flo's oldest child, became alpha after Flo's death. Fifi was Flo's daughter. She is a top-ranking female and gave birth to a staggering nine babies in her lifetime. And I'm sure she got this from Flo. Maybe this is genetic, but the average for a female is two to three babies within their lifetime. And Fifi had nine, which is crazy. Fifi would continue to greet Jane every year when she turned to Gombe, even after her research completed and Jane was not there constantly until Fifi's passing. Flint is one of Flo's sons, Flo, so the, the older matriarch, whom Jane witnessed the pregnancy and birth of. Flint, unfortunately, did die young after Flo passed from old age, so Flint was... Um, still dependent on Flo as his mother, and he passed shortly after Flo. Frodo was Fifi's second oldest child and Flo's grandson, who was a very aggressive male and would frequently attack Jane, and ultimately did force her to leave when he became alpha. It just became too dangerous for Jane to be close to this family for extended periods of time. Freud and Ferdinand are also Flo's grandsons, and they later became alphas as well. William was a male, uh, Gray- David Greybeard's friend. Fabin was a young male, also uh, David Greybeard's friend. And then finally, Fanny and Flossie were high-ranking mothers and were Flo's granddaughters. 
And this is kind of confusing. I will upload a photo of the family tree to Instagram. And uh, just a reminder, since these episodes are going to be coming out a week early on Patreon, I will also be including all photos on Patreon so that you can see them early along with listening to the episode. And uh, you don't have to wait for them to come out a week later on Instagram. David Greybeard was the very first to make his way into Jane's camp. He was lured by a banana tree. And when Jane noticed that he was lured in by the banana tree, she would bring in bananas and kind of scatter them around the camp to further lure Greybeard in and kind of gain his trust. He was followed by Flo. So Flo also came in, lured by the bananas. And then since Flo was such a wanted mate amongst the men multiple males attempted to attempting to mate with Flo followed her into the camp and eventually once they like came in and they realized it was safe and there were bananas and there were all these fun things there eventually the research center had 25 plus chimps around at any time so Jane would continue to go out and follow them but often she would not need to because they would be right outside of her tent. The early days of her research were plagued with danger, however. Her camp had been invaded by gangs with machetes trying to drive the foreign researchers out. College researchers in the group had actually been kidnapped for ransom. They were unharmed um, and they were returned, but they were kidnapped by some of these gangs in Tanzania. And civil war also broke out within the country and the area and um, many of the locals were driven out and it was very very dangerous for them to stay in the research center however despite the dangers Goodall continued to push for her research and activism efforts at Gombe and we will also talk in a little bit about how Goodall has not only done wonders for animal behavioral research chimpanzee research but also humanitarian activism and as a voice for climate change and and different things like that. Goodall's research opened the field of ethology to begin studying not only genetics and evolution, but also psychology, emotion, and behavior of non-human animals. And this is what I actually studied in school. So this would not have been possible for me to study without Jane. And... This is another reason why Jane is one of my ultimate heroes, because she is the leading researcher in my favorite fields of study. Really quickly, I do want to talk about Goodall and the sexism that she experienced. When Goodall began studying primatology in the late 1950s, the field was entirely made up of men. Many did not want to take her work seriously at first, even those two major discoveries that she had, and she was required also to have a parent with her in Tanzania for her protection when she first started, despite her being in her early 20s. Her mother joined her for the first four months of her 22-month trip, and while Jane would get up at like the crack of dawn every single day and go out in the forest and do her behavioral research, her mother was built a medical tent to aid locals and gain their trust while Jane was off gathering data. So her mother really 
laid a foundation of um, a lot of the humanitarian aid that Jane was able to bring to the area and through the rest of the world by gaining their trust. And um, she offered really basic first aid to a lot of the fishermen and things. She had, you know, ibuprofen and bandages and like neospore and that kind of stuff. But it made a really big difference because um, th- this was an area that was only re- only reached by like bush plane or boat. And they did not have a lot of these things. So she did a lot of a lot of good. Jane's landmark observations were often discredited by many other scientists at the time because she was a woman and a young woman at that without any academic training. Like she did not have her any any kind of degree at the time. Today, primatology is almost evenly made up of men and women. Goodall is credited for trailblazing the path of women primatologists. And I would also hedge to say that Goodall paved the way for female behavioral researchers as a whole, um, even in just other areas of biology, which includes me. So thank you, Jane. Jane did establish the Jane Goodall Institute in 1977. It now has over 10,000 groups in 100 countries. It supports the Gombe research and aims to protect chimps and their habitats. The Jane Goodall research or sorry, the Jane Goodall Institute also has a youth program called Roots and Shoots that began in 1991. And this is a, she talks a lot about Roots and Shoots in her TED Talk, which I will link in the sources for today's show. And she it talks a lot about how it really teaches kids how to get out in nature instead of being, you know, surrounded by concrete all the time and how to get out and help people and how to get out and help wildlife and help even uh, just small things around around their home, around their hometowns. And they don't have to go all the way to Africa to make a difference. And it's really, really important. And if you are a teacher, if you are, you know, if you work with kids at all, I would encourage you to look into Roots and Shoots and see if you can maybe create a club or maybe create some kind of program to help kids get out in nature and help kids help wildlife. And I am, I completely forgot to look up how to pronounce this. She founded the Chimpunga, T-C-H-I-M-P-O-U-N-G-A, Chimpanzee Rehabilitation Center in the Republic of the Congo in 1992 to care for chimps orphaned by the bushmeat trade, which is a very big problem, problem right now. And this is somewhere that I would die to go to. I want to go to the Republic of the Congo so badly. I want to trek in the area and see the gorillas. I want to go to the chimpanzee rehab center, maybe work like re, um, volunteer there for a little bit. It would be absolutely amazing. But the Republic of the Congo is one of the few places that is extremely dangerous for a solo woman to go to. So I will go eventually, but probably with my husband, who is a very large man, and uh, probably with the, you know, hired, hired group. Currently, um, this rehab center houses over 100 chimps over its three islands. So it, they are located on islands um, to kind of keep it away from other people. She founded the Lake 
Tanganyika, sorry, catchment reforestation and education pilot project to protect wild chimp habitat from deforestation in Gombe. When she came back to Gombe after being away for a little while, after her research ended, she noticed that there was just devastating deforestation in the area. So she did fi- found this um, pilot project and they are rebuilding the forests around Gombe. And um, it- it's pretty incredible, the before and after pictures that have that you can find online. This foundation also supports young girls by offering them access to reproductive health education as well as college scholarships. So many of these places, um, I mean, you can imagine in the United States, we don't even have really great reproductive health education in many of our schools. And in areas where girls aren't encouraged to even go to school, they aren't learned on how pregnancy happens, how we can kind of ward off pregnancy if it's not wanted. And um, so this offers girls in the area to plan out their lives and instead of um, being stuck with too many children that they can't afford to take care of, which is really, really important. And they also help pay for them to go to college if they would like. I would also like to make a quick note Although there are many, many, many photos and videos of Jane interacting directly with and feeding wild chimpanzees and other wildlife during her research, it is a practice she has spoken out against both personally and within scientific research and tourism. So at the time, like in 1960, it was unknown how much human interaction can interfere with biological behaviors. So they would try to be more hands off the time with scientific research, in order to remain what they considered professional, to not get attached, basically. But now it's people remain hands-off because it can really interfere with a lot of biological behaviors. It can teach a lot of negative behaviors. It can keep animals in general, not just chimps, but animals in general from learning how to or continuing to hunt on their own. It can lure them into dangerous situations by being more comfortable with people. So Jane no longer does this and she speaks out against it. And yeah, so please remember that wildlife is wild and only professionals should attempt to approach and or handle them. And only in extreme cases, such as like rehabilitation or if they're injured or anything like that. And remember your six foot rule. It's not just for COVID. Keep at least six feet away from wildlife. The more, the, the larger or the more dangerous the wildlife could be, increase that um, and just stay as far away as possible. It's extremely important to stay as far away as possible from primate, primates, primates, <laughs> especially as we can pass on infectious diseases such as tuberculosis, such as upper respiratory infections, and this can wipe out entire populations. So there have been entire families of chimpanzees or gorillas or orangutans who have been completely wiped out by the human common cold because we have such similar immune systems that we share diseases back and forth, but they don't have as built up immunity to a lot of the diseases that are so common with us because they're not around humans all the time. So 
if you are going out gorilla trekking or visiting chimps or orangutans or any of the great apes, just remember to stay as far away as possible simply because they can catch anything that you may be carrying, even if you don't feel ill. Um, and then definitely don't go if you are sick. Like like me right now with this cough, I would not go anywhere near any any primates at this time. So let's talk about what Jane is doing today. As of recording this episode on in September 2022, Jane is 88 years old and still going strong. She dedicates nearly all of her time to chimpanzee and environmental activism. And she travels about 300 days of the year every single year, which is absolutely nuts. She is currently on the advisory council for the world's largest chimpanzee sanctuary outside of Africa, which is the Save the Chimps in Fort Pierce, Florida. I had no idea this even existed. Um, I Many of you know that I lived in Florida for about six years, and I had never heard of this. So when I go back to visit family, I am going to try to go see the uh, Save the Chimps sanctuary in, in Fort Pierce. Goodall is an actor. Um, an advocate for the vegetarian diet and even authored a vegan cookbook called Eat Meat Less, which I will link in the description. She is an outspoken environmental advocate, frequently speaking on the effects of climate change on endangered animals such as the chimpanzee. Jane is also an advocate for AZA accredited zoos and their conservation efforts, often helping to design ethical primate enclosures. She actually helped redesign the chimpanzee exhibit at the LA Zoo with another wildlife warrior that I've already covered, Betty White. <laughs> um, that was episode six. If you would like to go back and listen to the Betty White wildlife warrior episode that I did, and I released that right after Betty White passed away. She has also spoken out against the horrid conditions chimps often face in medical research, circuses, and non-AZA accredited zoos. So Jane Goodall is not necessarily against having chimps in captivity. Oftentimes it is necessary for conservational research or if they've been injured or orphaned and after they have healed, um, they can no longer be released into the wild so if we have to have chimps in captivity we have to make it as ethical as possible and I have visited one of the exhibits that she helped design um, an orangutan exhibit I believe it was in the Indianapolis Zoo and it was absolutely incredible so uh, she is doing some really really great things with AZA accredited zoos and definitely go back and listen to my episode on the difference between what an AZA accredited zoo is and what like a roadside zoo attraction which we want to avoid she has also done so much more that I could be talking for hours about it she has accomplished so much and she is constantly working to to do bigger and better things for wildlife, for the environment, and for people around the world. Jane Goodall has discovered so much about our world and freely shared it with the rest of us. Her many accomplishments are due to her kind nature, her passion for our planet, and attentive curiosity to how nature behaves. And we have a lot to thank her for. 
So I want to list just a few of the many awards and honorary degrees that she has received. So Dame Jane Goodall has received the following awards and degrees in her 60 plus year career. She's received the Kyoto Price in 1990, the Hubbard Medal in 1995, Tyler Price for Environmental Achievement in 1997, UN Messenger of Peace in 2002, Dame Commander of the Order of the British Empire when she became a dame in 2004. Honorary Member of the World Future Council, which was founded in 2005, but I was unable to find the date when she was um, inducted as an honorary member. She received an honorary Doctor of Science degree from Open University of Tanzania in 2006, and she received the Templeton Prize in 2021. As someone who studied animal behavioral psychology as well, Goodall never ceases to inspire and fascinate me with the work that she has done and what she has achieved. The things that she's experienced and what she's discovered completely changed our scientific world, and she's such an inspiration to me. I went to see her movie, which is called Jane Goodall's Wild Chimpanzees with my dad when I was in grade school, I think maybe third or fourth grade in like a natural history museum and it completely changed my life. I'm not quite sure which natural history museum I saw it in. Uh, My dad took me to so many when I was a kid. I want to say it was in Chicago, but I can't quite remember. But the theater that we went to see it in was one of those like massive IMAX theaters where your seat lays all the way back and it's not just a screen in front of you, it's in front of you and panels above you. So you're like completely surrounded by this film and seeing Jane Goodall talk about chimpanzees and the environment and all the work that she's discovered, like and all the work that she's done completely changed my life in early grade school and honestly is probably one of the things that pushed me into studying animal behavior as an adult. For just a second, let's think about the worst that could happen during a vacation. Maybe your expensive camera broke while on an African safari. Maybe your luggage was lost on your way to Europe or your flight was canceled altogether. Maybe you got sick in South America and had to spend a few days in a hospital. Luckily, you booked travel insurance before your trip. Travel insurance protects you in all of these scenarios and more. I always use World Nomads because their coverage makes the most sense for me as a traveler who frequently participates in adventurous activities, visits multiple countries per trip, and carries expensive equipment for my blog and podcast. Check out World Nomads rates for your next trip abroad using the link in the description. I want to end this episode like I usually do with some fun facts this time about chimpanzees. So chimps have a very quote-unquote promiscuous mating society and that's Jane Goodall's quote, um, promiscuous. So We were at one point unable to know who the biological father of each baby was in a chimpanzee family until DNA profiling came along. Now we can run DNA profiles using fecal samples and get full family trees that include the males. So the family tree that I'm going to upload on my Instagram and Patreon of 
um, the family that Jane Goodall spent her time with um, in, in 1960, it's only going to be females and their babies. So there'll be males within the babies, but we have no idea who the fathers were at the time. We share 98% of our DNA with chimpanzees and had a common ancestor species that lived six or seven million years ago. So chimpanzees are our very distant cousins. <laughs> chimpanzees communicate through sound, touch, and body language. However, in captivity, they are able to learn American Sign Language. And they have even been seen teaching their young American Sign Language after they've learned it. So baby chimps can learn American Sign Language from their parents who have been taught without us humans teaching the babies American Sign Language, which is absolutely crazy. They make over 30 different noises that mean different things, and they have been known to learn hundreds of signs in American Sign Language. As mentioned, chimps have highly complex family and social structures that are ever-changing. So a lot of these families, as they grow, will kind of fracture and develop into multiple smaller groups with some family members going back and forth between these groups. Typically, female chimps give birth to one baby every five years. However, some that are much more fertile, like some of the uh, females that we talked about that Jane worked with, um, can have babies much sooner than that. Chimpanzees are currently an endangered species, largely due to deforestation and other human activities, such as bushmeat hunting. Um, so bushmeat hunting is kind of like when hunters go in and they basically shoot everything that moves within the forest and then they sell it as meat. And unfortunately, chimps uh, do fall into that scenario. Chimpanzees are considered the second most intelligent mammal species on the planet, second to humans. So they are the next most intelligent species on the planet. They live about 40 years in the wild and 60 years in captivity um, with good care. So that's uh, in captivity in like an AZA accredited zoo with ample space, good veterinary care, um, proper diet, everything like that. And it is much less than even what they would live to be in the wild with poor care in captivity, such as in a lot of captive zoos or a roadside zoo. Or, or sorry, captive um, animal circuses or roadside zoo. And finally, a chimp is about four times stronger than a human of the same size. They're incredibly strong. They can also run up to 25 miles per hour for short distances. Um, compare that to the human record is 27 miles per hour, but an average human, so most likely you and me, <laughs> Um, averages about seven miles per hour. So they can run more than three times as fast as we can for short distances. All right, that is all I have for you today. And I just want to end the episode today uh, with one more thing, um, one more note from Jane talking about chimpanzee humor that she found that I just found so incredibly endearing. And uh, I will hear you guys next time. How did you see their sense of humor? 
I've seen a mother laugh when she hears her older child who hasn't paid attention and he hasn't noticed which way she's gone and the, the older child is going through the forest whimpering, crying, you know. And the mother's up in the tree, quite quiet, and you hear her going, just laughing. <laughs> For today's show can be found in the link in the description. Thanks for listening. And before you guys go, remember that you can listen to this episode as well as all future episodes and bonus episodes a week early and ad-free on my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash humane nature pod or using the link in the description.